0: Well, it's so massively special to be here. I should also say that I was here from nineteen ninety six to two thousand and one before we went for training, and then came back for three years. Uh, so, as I uh, as I look around now, uh, this could distract me off my talk in a way that I've never been distracted before, couldn't it? When I just see hugely inspiring people I've had the privilege for knowing uh, for many for many years, and it's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, to, be, uh, to be with you. It really is. I uh, should also send Nicky's apology. Nicky, my wife, would have been here, but Cameron, uh, our youngest, has just got back from a gold Duke of Edinburgh and that just finishes today. He spent a week uh, traipsing across Dartmoor uh, and uh, I think she's nurturing Cameron, I think, for the next few days. But anyway, that's all right. I should say as well, welcome if you're, uh, if you're watching online. Uh, I'm going to read um, from John 15, uh, which I know is a passage that you have uh, been looking at for just a couple of weeks. Let me read these words. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, if anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned." If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Amen. Well, what I would, what I'd like to do is, I'd like to move in a bit of a kind of outwards direction with this text. Uh, We recognize that... um, The fruit that Jesus is talking about here is certainly fruit of character, not least the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But I think that we're also doing justice to the text if we put this also in the context of our sharing of the good news of Jesus with others. Why do we know that? Well, of course, the holding image of the vine, uh, for those who are familiar with the Old Testament, you will know that that image uh, was an image that was repeatedly used uh, to describe the people of God, and particularly to describe the people of God as they were meant to bear fruit, and particularly as we read in places like uh, Isaiah 49, verse 6, where they were called to bear fruit so that other nations would recognize the uniqueness uh, of God's nature and character and sovereignty. Now, of course, we know that the people of God, sadly, uh, didn't, you know, never lived up to that call. Uh, We see a picture of this. uh, Places like Psalm 80 speak about God having planted his nation as a vine. Um, But, you know, it was never, the fruit was never there. Isaiah reminds us of this. In Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 5 verse 7, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah. Are the vines he delighted in. He looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So the people of God had failed to fulfill the call that God had given them. And Jesus is now embracing this call. Of course, when Jesus is speaking these words, it's the last night of his life. He's on the move uh, between the upper room in Jerusalem and the Garden of Gethsemane in which he will be arrested. And it's almost certain that on that walk, uh, he would have gone past the temple. And when he went past the temple with the disciples, over the porchway of that temple was a huge golden vine with its wires and golden beads uh, representing the vines, uh, the fruit. And so it's really likely, if you imagine the scene, that Jesus potentially stops outside that temple and pointed up at that vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. God our Father is the gardener. He's saying that that calling and God-given purpose that God originally gave to his nation, he's taking it upon himself. He is going to bear that fruit now and give witness to who God is. And so he called his disciples and us to do likewise. And I particularly want us to think about verse 16, where Jesus commissions us to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. As I've already said, that fruit is certainly something to do with character. It's certainly something to do with social justice and all those those kind of kingdom attributes. But probably most supremely, The fruit that will last that we want to see is people becoming followers of Jesus. People becoming disciples who in turn go on to make other disciples. We want to be celebrating the way that Paul did in Colossians 1 verse 6. Would you remember that line where he writes to the Colossians? He says, I'm delighted that the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world. That's what we want to see, isn't it? And Jesus, quite helpful now in this text, I think gives us certain principles that we can apply inwards, but we can also apply outwards. The first principle, as you know, if you've been here on previous weeks, that Jesus gives is that principle of pruning. That as we think about what it means to be a people of God, who are sharing Jesus to others? Who are demonstrating Jesus to others? Who are seeking to live a kingdom light that will, uh, you know, just be inviting, and others will want to come and be a part of kingdom community. We have to allow God to be pruning us, to be shaping us, shaping us by His Word. We have a sword in our midst, and shaping us as we journey through different circumstances. And sometimes this can be, uh, you know, things of the mind, uh, approaches to mission. I myself, a couple of years ago, I myself went on a pruning time in this area. I'll just briefly share with you. Uh, I, was in, I was in Nairobi. Uh, I was visiting a, a fantastic uh, mission agency uh, led by Kenyans that are reaching uh, loads of different unreached people groups uh, in East Africa and beyond. Uh, and within their headquarters, I kept seeing these words in posters around the building. The poster said this, We are missing. No one is looking for us. We've never met a follower of Jesus Christ. So are two billion others. Cut a long story short, I went back to the UK and I thought, two billion people have never met a follower of Jesus? That can't be right, can it? But of course, as I began to research this, I realised Actually, it is right. Uh, very, quick, very quickly for you and for those who like statistics, uh, in the world today there are 17,500 different people groups. Of those 17,500 groups, 7,000 people groups are counted as unreached. By that we mean that each of those 7,000 groups have less than 2% of people who are Christians. Those 7,000 groups actually represent a staggering 3.3 billion people, which is 42% of the world's population. And if that isn't uh, kind of sobering enough, uh, of those 7,000 groups, 5,000 of them um, have less than 0.01 people who identify as Christians. And so if you're in one of those 5,000 groups, which makes up nearly 25% of the world's population, the likelihood of you meeting a Christian is just so, so slim. And there's 2 billion people that represent those 5,000 groups. So when, I really, when this really dawned on me, I guess I thought we were maybe further on uh, with kind of reaching the nations and stuff. Uh, when this really dawned on me, it, it was like God was pruning me. You know, if you don't trim a vine back, it gets messy, doesn't it? It gets messy. Everything gets entangled. And I just thought, gosh, I've allowed my thinking to get a bit messy in this area. And actually, this has now brought clarity. And I've altered certain things that I do, certain approaches I've got as a church leader, not least when it comes to international mission in the nations or, you know, or, or among the nations that are found in our cities allocation of resources and being a little bit more strategic and things. So that's an example for me. I don't know what it means for you, but as you're seeking to be sharing Jesus with your friends, just be absolutely open to the Lord's wisdom, his tweaking and his pruning. Now, of course, it's not just pruning that we're about, is it? Jesus says, yes, pruning helps to, do, helps to develop fruit that will last, but alongside pruning, it's the great discipline of remaining, that we're called to remain in him. Uh, and I guess the uh, I guess the truth with the, the remaining is that we have lots of fantastic examples throughout church history of people who have demonstrated this. Uh, I think of the great Hudson Taylor, born da- just down the road in Barnsley. Uh, he was responsible in the, uh, the mid-19th century for the release of hundreds of people uh, as uh, representatives of Jesus, as missionaries, uh, into, uh, into the interior of China uh, just a remarkable uh, ministry uh, and his son uh, once wrote this about him he said here was a man bearing tremendous burdens yet absolutely calm and untroubled oh the pile of letters any one of which might contain news of death of lack of funds of riots or serious trouble yet all were opened read and answered with the same tranquility Christ, his reason for peace, his power for calm. Dwelling in Christ, he drew upon his very being and resources. He did this by an attribute of faith, as simple as it was continuous. Yet he was delightfully free and natural. I can find no words to describe it, save the the scriptural expression, in God. He was in God all the time, and God in him. It was that true abiding of John fifteen. It's inspiring, isn't it? So remaining in Jesus, even when we're putting Jesus' words of verse sixteen to go into absolute action, and as we remain in Jesus, as we remain in the vine, I think about um, I think about those words in uh, in Colossians where Jesus speaks about us being filled with the measure of God. We're being filled with the measure of God. So all that God has for us comes to us through Jesus, his life, his power, and his hope. And if we don't receive that, if we don't receive that wonderful gift of remaining in him, we're simply not going to do that which the Lord calls us to. Around the same period of Hudson Taylor, there was Lord Shaftesbury, I'm sure many of you will have heard of. He just worked tirelessly for the poor. But he's famous for saying that if it was left to him, he just would never have got out of his armchair. He just would have chilled out all the time. But because he was so closely connected to Jesus, the vine, he allowed that power of God to strengthen him as he reached out. I think a key aspect of of, um, remaining uh, is that we persevere. Because as we seek to share the gospel with others, it's not always easy. Sometimes we have to persevere until we see the fruit. Just coming uh, close to our first year as a, as a church plant at Woodlands. And it's been a great first year uh, so far as building team is concerned. Uh, but it's been, it's been hard. I've got to be honest. It's been hard. I expected it to be hard uh, because the plant that Nikki and I are leading, we're, you know, we're planting it into the, the toughest part of Bristol. It's the side of Bristol where the church is represented the least and where generations of people have just had no contact or no positive experience at all uh, with the church. Um, But just recently it's begun to get easier. We've just begun to see the first fruit. Uh, But that is just coming through perseverance. Had a lovely moment recently we've been... I've been leading a hub for Ukrainians, I'm sure like in Sheffield, many Ukrainians uh, in Bristol, and I had a lovely moment when actually uh, one of the guys who's on the edge of what we're doing has come and joined us now of his wife. He was inviting some of the Ukrainians to come to uh, Weatherspoons Wednesday, as I call it, which is when I do a kind of informal Bible group in Weatherspoons, and to, to hear this guy who hasn't particularly got much ownership of faith himself inviting them to come, I thought, there we go, that's the first fruit, that's there. You know, him and his wife, people of peace, the Lord is drawing them. This is, uh, this is beginning to feel more positive, and we know that that is just the first fruit. But you've got to keep going, haven't you? I love the inspiration that Habakkuk provides, Habakkuk three seventeen to 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. In other words Habakkuk saying when life is tough remain absolutely remain in Jesus uh, and he will uh, come through. I think the other dimension of remaining is that we've got to persevere and then I think we've got to be willing we've got to be willing to embrace the cost. We've got to be willing to embrace the cost. It's amazing having the, the privilege of listening to Tom and Clarissa uh, and hearing of something of the, the next steps vision, which I'm sure is going to unfold here, of you know, really serving the city and church planting as well as doing everything that you're continuing to do here at Crooks. Uh, but that's going to involve a cost, isn't it? Some of those costs you'll already be aware of, but it's also going to involve unseen costs. And we've got to embrace it if we are... Uh, going to push through, and we can only embrace that uh, if we commit to remaining in Jesus and absolutely listening uh, to Him. I had the privilege uh, recently. I think Ruth is going to put a couple of pictures up here that I'll talk us through. Had the privilege recently of uh, spending time with some uh, uh, some believers. Uh, I'm mindful this is being streamed, so I'm not going to say the name of the, uh, um, you know, the people groups that these guys are from, but I'm happy to say off camera uh, afterwards. Uh, but uh, you know, these are believers who really have embraced the cost uh, and yet are huge living examples of what it is to stay remaining in Jesus. Uh, the first one here is a, a lovely group of believers uh, who are actually living in a safe house. Uh, they've been forced to leave, uh, some of them even their very nation, uh, going to another nation The leader of that safe house, who is uh, a lovely friend of mine and Nicky's, you know, she's living under under a death threat. Um, And yet that house is just amazing. It's kind of like, you know, one of the things that St. Thomas has done well over years is it's community here, isn't it? It's community here. I'm sure if you're a visitor today today, and you're not part of a small group or whatever, come and join one because you will be blessed. Uh, You will just feel the love and the encouragement of others from joining kind of midweek stuff here. So this church has always done community well. Uh, That safe house there is a community where they're remaining in Jesus and finding the strength to press on. And then we've got another one of my friends, the guy to my left here. Uh, This guy's just been a believer. This is a different country Guy's just been a believer for two years. Um, not been married for long Uh, he's uh, he's come to know Jesus Um, he's leaving leading a secret uh, leading a secret church Um, but the local uh, the local elders in his village uh, have told his wife that she must uh, she must leave him that she must leave him Uh, and you think how do you how do you process that Uh, you know he's asking me what what he should do I don't know I don't know got to listen to Jesus here but what I can do is I can, I can stand with you. I can support you. I can be praying for you as I'd love you to do also. Uh, but actually, we're just going to remain in Jesus because that's what we're called to do. And then lastly, this, this wonderful guy here, uh, as far as we know, he's the very first uh, believer in his people group to come to faith. Could possibly be in some secret believers, but certainly he's the first believer in his people group to come to faith uh, and to make a public declaration of faith. Uh, and his life is now uh, in danger. But he's committed to remaining in Jesus. Thank you, Ruth. So we allow ourselves to be pruned. We commit ourselves uh, to remaining uh, in Jesus. And twice in this passage, uh, Jesus puts it so clearly that we've got to be praying. We've got to be praying. And I know that if we, you know, if we, if you want to see all that you You want to see all your dreams fulfilled in this place. You want to see God's best for this city. And we've just got to keep those prayers going. One of the verses that has been heavily on my mind in recent years has been Isaiah 45, verses 2 to 3. I will go before you and will level the mountains. What a picture of prayer. What a picture of the effect of prayer. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through. Bars of iron, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Well, let me just encourage you to keep, keep praying. There is so much treasure in this city. you think of those people that don't know Jesus who God just loves. His heart burns for them in passion. He just wants them to know him. He's the king, and treasure belongs with the king, doesn't it? It was never meant to be separated from the king. and He just wants people to know him. But if we're going to see these breakthroughs that we want to see in this city across this nation, prayer has to be the foundation. So I just encourage you uh, in that. And then very lastly, So we're pruning, we're remaining, we're praying. And what else are we doing? We're loving. We're constantly loving. We hear Jesus' words in verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Just keep going with that love. And I know this is a loving church, but just keep going. Keep sowing in love. Keep doing those expressions of kingdom generosity in love. And you will see more and more fruit. You might have to persevere. You might have to feel the cost of it. But the fruit will come. This has been a little bit of our experience over the last nine, we we've had just 10 years now in Bristol, in our previous church that we led in transition from being a fairly traditional church to a contemporary church, which is focusing on the city. Uh, we developed food bank. We developed uh, quite an extensive work uh, amongst um, ex-offenders, uh, amongst guys uh, in recovery. Uh, we established two houses. We partnered Hope into Action uh, and established two houses for the homeless and those vulnerable to homelessness uh, it was a huge learning curve for a church that had never engaged in this direction before. Uh, and we made many, made many mistakes. It was a huge learning, uh, huge learning exercise for us. But the one thing I know that we did and the church continues to do is we loved, we loved, and we loved. And it's just been amazing to see uh, a constant stream of these people uh, coming to faith. Uh, And it's genuinely happened, the great privilege of baptizing them, long-term homeless, long-term people uh, locked in addiction. Um, This afternoon, as our church plant uh, meets, um, you won't mind me saying his name, my good friend Ian uh, will be playing his guitar uh, in the band. Ian was 20 years homeless, uh, huge background of crack uh, and heroin. And yet he came to faith, came to live with us, experienced Christian community, just pure welcome and love and acceptance of Christian community. I'm always struck by those words of Heidi Baker, you know, where she says, Harris Baker, who's involved with Irish ministries, of, you know, stop for the one, you know, do it for the one. And I think we've got to hold on to that, to that absolute principle. I could say so much more, but I think, you get, I think you get the picture. So I think just in this summer period, uh, where actually it kind of, uh, that's, that's when it gets to 40 degrees and all we can do is just drink water and do nothing. Uh, but, you know, actually try and, try and use the summer just as that listening to the Lord for this next season ahead, individually, collectively as a church. How does he want to prune you so far as sharing the good news with others is concerned? Are you truly remaining in him for the next season? Are you truly praying? for God, for kingdom breakthrough uh, across, this, um, across this city? And are you just living a, a life of love? And Why do we do this, verse 8? We do this uh, for God's absolute glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples for the sake of this community, the sake of this amazing city and the nations. Amen? Amen. Amen.